0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the focus of Cryptop Senior, listening to my podcast, Vox and Hops, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope that you have had a great weekend. I had an excellent weekend my last weekend before I head back to work. In case uh, you missed it over the past few weeks, I work in early childhood education when I am not screaming for cryptopsy or conducting interviews for Vox and Hops. That is my main gig. And uh, as of uh, today... I'm back at work uh, taking care of little kids, so so that is happening, and uh, throughout the past weekend, I tried to relax and get ready for that, and uh, I hope that you guys had a good weekend as well. This is a very special episode, because not only is it a cool episode with an excellent person, it is also my 150th episode. Uh, it is... Super cool that this has happened, that I've gotten this far, and I appreciate anyone who's ever listened to an episode, who has spoken about Vox and Hops, who has shared the podcast, uh, all of my guests who have been a part of it. It is uh, baffling that I've reached this far, and truly I am humbled, and I can't wait to see what is coming up. I have to say that last week I had an amazing meeting which uh, is something that is going to bring amazing things to the podcast and I can't talk about it just yet but I have to tell you that huge things are coming in the world of Vox and, and I can't wait until I can share those with all of you. I'm stoked about this. I would have never imagined that it would come to this but and I'm very excited about it. All month long this is a spotlight on Redefining Darkness Records Month. I love doing these. It's very important to shine some light on extreme music, and the best way to do that is to go to the Redefining Darkness Bandcamp page for this month. There is a promo code that you can use to get 15% off of all your vinyl, CD, and cassette purchases. There's a whole bunch of really cool shit up there. You should absolutely go check it out and use that promo code. The promo code when you're checking out is Vox and Hops. That is V-O-X ampersand H-O-P-S. And you will get 15% off of all your vinyl, CD, and cassette purchases. Do it. Support Extreme Music. On today's episode, I am with Robin Mason of Gruesome and the most important person on almost every tour that you've ever been to. Here it is, Vox and Hops, episode number 150. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I'm with Robin Mason from Gruesome, and uh, she is also, uh, in my eyes, the ultimate merch queen. Uh, she is involved with every band out there that you can think of. She has probably sold you a shirt and taken care of many, 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 many bands that you love. I am super stoked to be with you. When this whole crazy COVID thing started, you were one of the first people that I hit up to do one of these internet chats. Because uh, I just think you're awesome. So, uh, number one, how are you? I know that you, you've you had an accident, sadly, recently. I hope that you're recovering well. And uh, that's why we didn't chat sooner. So, so how are you?
1: Yeah, uh, I'm uh, doing okay. And thanks for thinking of me. Appreciate it. I don't ever think of me I don't like as I I'm not a good interview person. Interviewee, is that a proper term?
0: I believe it is. Yes. I don't know. The best part about Vox and Hops is that it's just two people sitting down, sharing a beer and having a chat. So there's no stress of an interview really happening. It's just as if we were at a bar together.
1: Yeah, that's it. that's what makes it a little bit better for me. But yeah, to go back, I did. Um, I wanted to do it earlier. But yeah, like when was it about um, going on about a month? I fell roller skating and I broke my wrist in my hand. So I've been kind of dealing with that. I had to I had to have some surgery and then now I'm in therapy for it. So I'm getting there. So, and I wasn't even drunk. I was sober. <laughs>
0: like, I, I saw those pictures and they were pretty brutal. So, uh, way, way to keep it metal.
1: Yeah, it was pretty brutal. They said like, anytime I asked, like where it was, I was like, how bad is like, how bad is it broken? Where they're like, it's just broken a lot. And that's all they kept telling me, I guess. The average like I, they put the plate in there and some screws and wire and they said the average screws that they normally use are five and i have like 10 wow double the amount <laughs>
0: how, how long how long are we looking until you're you're rehabilitated
1: um i'm getting there i tried to play the other day but i i just can't turn my wrist the normal way so i'm hoping like in the next two three weeks i'll be able to Play a little bit. I just won't be able to fully. It's not going to be fully healed probably for six months to a year before it fully heal heals. But I will be able to start playing at least and once I can turn make my wrist. turn.
0: Is it your 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 fingering hand or your your picking hand? I got uh...
1: It's my fretting hand. It's my left hand, so it kind of like it kind of sucks. But at the same time, I it might be better because it. I think it's easier to probably rehabilitate that. In my mind, rehabilitate that. Then getting my fingers, like my picking fingers, back to that more, say more. You know what I mean?
0: Absolutely, yes, yes.
1: Because I don't use a pick, so
0: exactly, yes, yeah. You know, as as all great bassists should not play with your fingers. Everyone, please. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I just, yeah, I do. I wouldn't say I'm a great bass player. I just. I I played guitar and I hated use. I was terrible at it because I don't like using a pick. So hey, play play bass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let,
0: let's let's loosen you up a little bit. Uh, what are you drinking on your side? I have a beautiful beer here. I'll let you introduce yours first, though.
1: Mine is in celebration of Cinco de Mayo. I went with the Modelo Negro because I prefer darker beers and lighter beers. So it's nothing. It's nothing. You know, off the beaten path. Like usually, I like. You know, special IPAs, and I usually like to try, like on tour, I'll try beers that are locally made at every bar wherever I go. I should be on that tap app, but I never do it because I just keep forgetting about it. <laughs> but but this time, Cinco de Mayo, it was on sale, and I was like, ah, eh, I'll just do that. Why not try and try and feel somewhat celebratory? I guess. But yeah, I'm like. I prefer darker beers than, you know, an IPAs than regular, you know, drafts to kind of, that's just my preference.
0: That's awesome. Me on my side, I have a newer beer that was just, uh, sadly, this, this brewery just opened. It's a really, really cool place up here in Montreal, a little bit off the beaten track, a bit more north. Uh, and they opened like the week that COVID hit. So Ugh. they started canning their products and people have been going to pick them up. This is a silo. Shout out to the good people of Silo for hooking me up with these brews for my interviews. This is a IPA with a goyave. What is goyave in English? I should have done that, checked that first. It's like a like a tropical fruit, a, a goyave. It's like papaya, maybe? No, because that's papaya. Anyways, IPA La Goyave, it clocks in at 7%. Uh, I'm going to crack it open. And uh, tell me a little bit more about uh, the pleasures of touring and getting to taste some great beers. Do you have any favorite... Spots where you like to go drink some beers when you are out on the road.
1: Hmm. Now I have to think about that. That's a hard question. I'm trying to think. I I mean, there's always like you know, you go to the same venues a lot, so you try and you know hit the same places close by, kind of thing. And now, man, you you stump me. <laughs> Obviously, good. like I could think of like Montreal. You know, you go over to Fafoon, because it's right there. And you drink, but they don't have, you know, or I'm going to shout out Turbo House.
0: Absolutely. Shout out to uh, Michelle and Sergio. Yeah. Turbo House. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: You know, you know, you go and try and hang out where other people are hanging and your friends are hanging, but it's always like, I'm trying to think of like some of my, man, you stumped me. Yeah. But I do like, I do try and, you know, anytime like there's a day off or after a show, if there's any type of, when I order beer, I'm like, I would like something local, you know, just so that I I don't want the same thing over and over, you know, I'd like to try the new beers that are out there. Like we have the closest thing to me, like that's one of the more popular places is uh, Cigar City Brewery. Are you familiar with that?
0: Absolutely. Yes.
1: Like that's like maybe 10 minute drive for me. And, you know, and they turned it into like a bar and a restaurant. They were supposed to have like a big wrestling metal show there in April, but obviously it got canceled because of everything. So they're very in tune with like the scene and they're up to doing, you know, cool stuff like that. Like parking lot concerts, obituary was supposed to play and (laughs) I think nasty savage and a bunch of bands. So it would have been awesome. But
0: I saw that was announced and I was, I was like, wow, metal, wrestling craft beer it's perfect
1: <laughs> yeah and it's like that's and it's cigar city brewery is gonna put it on like that's amazing right With uh tony from municipal waste super cool it was his brain child
0: let's go farther back now uh take me back to your youth uh growing up in your house My youth. Okay. your youth yes <laughs> Um, Let me
1: think if I can think that far.
0: We'll see if we can get there together. Okay. The soundtrack of your youth. What music was playing in your house uh, by your parents or by your guardians when you were not in control of the music? What were they listening to?
1: My parents were never really music people. I mean, they enjoyed music. If it was there, they weren't like, oh, listen, you know, they weren't like, like that wasn't their main thing, you know? Like, if it comes on, they're like, oh, this is a nice song. Or, you know what I mean? It wasn't anything, like, in particular, I guess. Like, I mean, we would get those order nine, eight tracks for a penny and whatever it was. And then, you know, back then, and they would, you know, they would get, I remember Fleetwood Mac was one of them back then, and, like, the Eagles and, and stuff, because that's what they were time during that club that they would do. but And my mom had... A bunch of forty fives and everything of you know, music when she was a kid from like, you know, their fifties and stuff like that. But there were never music. If there was any type of music, it was mostly me controlling it ninety nine percent of the time in the car, in the house. (laughs) You know. I was and they would just let me listen to whatever.
0: When did you get the bug? When when did you what would be like your first band, this this band that you discovered or you heard it somewhere and you're like, Oh my god, what is this? Who would be that first band?
1: It's it's really you know, I I try and remember things like that and it's I just remember being a kid and I had this like portable record player that had like a plastic lid and you took it off, you know, like it was super old school. I think it was like orange and brown or you know, one of those colors or you know, from back then and you know getting 45s and i remember getting i had the song uh billy don't be a hero on 45 <laughs> that was one of the first things i've gotten and then i remember it was my birthday and i remember i got the pina colada song on 45 <laughs> <laughs> I, for some reason i remember those two things with that record player you know and, like, back then, honestly, this is really, like, I was a really big Barry Manilow fan. I remember always wanting to watch Barry Manilow when he would do, like, some kind of special on TV. And I loved the Bay City Rollers back then because they had a TV show also. So, I mean, I'm going, like, but that's what, you know, that's what I remember, like, just always being, like, oh, that's rad. Oh, that's great. And then, you know, you're growing up in a neighborhood, everybody's older and, the kids in the neighborhood everybody was like kiss 100% and then that was like the big thing it's like kiss it was like everything was kiss 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 100% you know like amazing and then that's right when kiss you know i th- i i i would have to say kiss cuz i mean i joined the kiss army like back then and that was like my first real like heavier you could say Music, you know, and then like I, like I still, you know, I, I'm still like Kiss Destroyer through high school, trying to get ready to go out. i put that on on vinyl pretty much every <laughs> night to get ready.
0: <laughs> Your hype music. <laughs> that
1: was still my, that was still my that was still my jam. And my cousin, I had older cousins too, and they were like into you know starting after Kiss and like my one. Uh, like he was like my an older cousin from I think he's like my second cousin but he like had like a a basement room and he wallpapered his entire room with like aluminum foil and black light posters and like he had like the black sabbath and the deeper you know from back like starting that so like I also was and all my cousins were into music like that so I was always I think lucky and lucky enough to everybody that was my cousins were everybody's under the same type of thing, you know? So kind of cool.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And was it fun? Like, was like a challenge in between yourself and your cousins and your other cousins to discover new music and share it with each other?
1: No, like, I mean, we weren't, it wasn't like close cause they, they didn't live near, near me. So like if we would go visit and stay, you'd, you'd see that. And I would, you know, just sit there and be like, what are they listening to? Oh my God, what is that? Like, you know, it was mostly the kids and the, the older kids in the neighborhood that were really into, you know, like I said, kids. And then as I got older, like, you know, we moved and like those kids in the neighborhood were older. And then it was like, you know, it started just getting heavier. And and I always say like in fourth grade, this kid Frank brought in Dirty Deeds record. I had um, we I had I want to say I had. An ACDC a track, but he he brought in in fourth grade Dirty Deeds, and he played it for show and tell. And I went <laughs> home and I told my dad, I'm like, I need to go, I need to go buy this record. And my dad took me to the store and I bought it with my allowance. on vinyl and I still have it. <laughs> so
0: that's really badass. Fourth grade, I love that.
1: Yeah, I just I just remember Mrs. Lamb's class. I remember everything about it. I remember it was like that was like the epitome of like hearing you know that record in class and i and i for some reason remember like you know he's got big balls and she's got big balls and the te- and mrs lamb just like kind of freaked out and that was the end of his show and tell with that record and that, was
0: <laughs> that probably made it even more appealing and more something that you wanted the fact that she didn't let it finish <laughs>
1: That's probably, but I mean, I just, as soon as I heard it, as soon as I saw it, I was like, I need that in my life immediately. And like, literally, I went out and bought it. Like, yeah.
0: You have been at so many shows in your life. So many shows. But do you remember your first show that you went to?
1: My first show is uh, my first concert concert, East Motley Crue.
0: (laughs) Cool. That's, that's cool. It
1: was my first show. Yeah. It was good. I can't remember who opened. I want to say can't remember like it's so weird because i I have been to so many shows and i feel like i should remember these things and i don't know how like people keep such good track of like their concerts and their history of their life and i'm just like my god and i feel like i have a good memory and i don't (laughs) i guess you know,
0: it's hard to keep track. I can imagine in there that just the vastness of all the shows you've been a part of. Uh, when when did the whole you wanting to be on stage, when did that start?
1: I always, you know, wanted to play like most people, you know, you're in, a kid in school and you, oh, here's the recorder. You know, I don't know if you guys have that up there, but in, ours was like, learn to play the recorder and like you're in need of the class. And you're learning about, like, the different musical notes and all the things. So I was always into that. And then, you know, I started playing piano because my grandparents lived next door and they had a piano and I wanted to play piano. And I just hated taking lessons. Well, I didn't mind the lessons. I hated practicing because it was, like, forced down my throat. Like, did you practice? Are you going to practice? It's like, leave me the F alone, you know. (laughs) I mean, I didn't say that because I was a kid, but, you know. (laughs) But it's like, you know, it, I think the more it's like forced on you, you kind of like, like push away from it. At least I do, I think. Um, I've done that with several different things, but, and then after that, like I, I wanted to play guitar. My mom bought me an electric guitar. I was, and I wanted a Kramer because of Eddie Van Halen, but I wanted the color that I got, which is a blue because it's Steve Harris's bass. And I got that, like, I wanted, uh, I was 16, so a long time ago, but maybe 15. And then she got me my acoustic because I was taking music in, in high school. I was taking guitar class. So I would play. And actually, like, me and my two friends, we would sit around and pretend like we had a band. And our band, basically, this was, like, maybe when I was, like, 12 or 13. We would just put on a record, and we would sing it, and that was our band. <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean like we pretended like oh she was gonna play drums and i was gonna do this or you know what i mean and and we had a name we called ourselves Nyx n-y-x <laughs> but that was our like that was like our first thing because we wanted a band and do that and i remember i don't know what like singing motley crew especially like back then like first record motley crew <laughs> like singing matches like what and then after that in high school and guitar class i wanted to do a band then too and i was actually going to start playing um this girl michelle was in my guitar class and actually michelle went on to play with in jack off jill i don't know if you know who that is
0: i do not i'm sorry
1: they were like part of the maryland Manson scene cool but um yeah so she continued playing and we were going to try and do stuff, but that didn't work out. And then, you know, high school's over. And that's when I met Dirkada, pretty much, because I always wanted to play. And I was doing that. And then and then it just kept going and going and going, you know, with everything else. So nothing super exciting, but, you know, that's my musical path.
0: <laughs> just just a, a pure love of playing and the music
1: yeah I just always wanted a play i like, I just wish I had more discipline like if you're taking it like i I really enjoyed guitar class because you know everybody got to pick a song like each week on Monday, somebody picked a song, and by Friday you had to like basically transcribe it, learn it, and then play it in front of the class <laughs> so whoever song was whatever they picked.
0: I said, it's very cool. It's not something that we have up here in Canada, at least in Montreal, to have a a guitar class like that in high school. It's very, especially if you could pick whatever song you wanted.
1: Yeah, it was like crazy. Like it was just, that's just how the teacher ran it. It was awesome. Like I took two years of it and that was one part. And obviously there there was different things. Sometimes you had to do everything by, uh, well, I also took music theory, but it was a different type of thing.
0: How did you end up being on every tour? with with the some of the biggest acts out there
1: it's really like you know i was i still had my band whatever and i was going to college and i my regular jar jo- my like regular job back then was a pharmacy i worked in a pharmacy forever um and it was angel corpse was going to europe and Gene and and Gene messaged me and he's like, Hey, would you be interested in going to Europe on this tour? We're touring with Marduk, uh, and selling merch. He's like, We can't really pay you, but you know, we'll pay for your ticket and everything and you know, it's a free trip to Europe.
0: The classic offer.
1: The classic <laughs> offer. Yeah, but I was like, Oh, smart I'm like, I knew the Marduk guys already, I knew the Angel guys already and everything and I'm like, man, I'm like and it was on a tour bus and I was like, Man, this kinda sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> and actually like and I actually just broke up with my my boyfriend at the time. So I was like, you know, just like freedom, not freedom really, but you know what, freedom and
0: let's get the hell out of here and
1: yeah like something you know well wow this came up why not you know so i i talked to my boss at the pharmacy and i was like hey i got this offer and i kind of want to do it what do you think and he's like and he's like i'm like when am i ever going to get this opportunity again (laughs) and he's like yeah but he's like that's fine he's like i took so i took a leave of absence like i was lucky enough that you know, they kept my, you know, my spot for me. But I took a leave of absence and I went with Angel Corpse over there. And by the third day, Marduk fired their merch guy. So I started doing Marduk's merch. So then I was doing Angel Corpse and Marduk. And then the tour was like oh, was eight weeks long. Holy shit. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, it was like October something to December. It was crazy. and And halfway through the tour um it turned into like kind of more of a small festival like cannibal corpse joined on defleshed uh i want to say eternus all joined and they had a merch guy those three bands had one merch guy and he he wasn't the greatest and like they were like can you do our merch too and i'm like (laughs) oh i don't know i'm like uh, like this is because i already knew like the cannibal guys you know of course and i was like Uh, I don't know. Let me think about it. And then they wound up kind of firing him. And then cannibal, like we got back home and then it was like, Hey, we're going on tour. Do you want to go on tour with us? Hey, we're going on tour. You want to go on tour with us? And then somebody else called me, Hey, you're working. You want to tour with us? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, and it never ended. So my time of like, when am I ever going to have this opportunity again? Lasted for, it's been over 20 years.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do you still go back to that pharmacy?
1: Um, actually like as I was still touring, I would go and work in the pharmacy. I would, I would be what they called a floater. So I would go work at different stores wherever they needed me. So I was able to cover, they created a position for me, which was fantastic. I was like basically the only one in the company that did this because they had, they had the other, like the pharmacist that did it. And then they had like me, which is, I was a tech. So I basically, I was the only person that did it. And then towards the end of that they created another position with me and they would send me to pharmacies that they were um, opening. So I would go and open the, like I would go open the pharmacy, set it up, train the pharmacist and everything. So then I started doing that on top of touring and everything. So it was kind of, it was crazy. And then I like, and I haven't worked at the pharmacy in a long time, but actually with this pandemic thing going on or whatever you want to call it, I was trying to find a job because obviously I can't tour now. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what can I do? And I was going to go get a job at this pharmacy here and then I broke my hand and I can't lift oh, anything shit. or type or... <laughs> I can't open pull bottles. I can't do it. So I'm like, okay, I guess I can't do that now. That's over. So...
0: What was it about you that made all these bands love you what makes a good merch person
1: i mean like for instance i mean i angel corpse i was friends with them and you know and they trusted me you know marduk i knew so they trusted me then cannibal of course you trusted me you need to have somebody that you trust you don't want somebody like you know that's going to be there and like partying the whole time i mean granted don't get me wrong i do party but i do not ever start drinking until my job is done. Everything my everything's got to be put away. My money, my merch, everything. Nothing's near me. And then I'll start drinking. You know, so I always say like every day is a Monday, every day is a Friday. You know, cuz it's like, oh, you wake up, you're like, oh, I have to load in, I got to work, I got to uh like you're just like blah, like going to work on a Monday. Like, oh, I got to commute uh and then You know you work all day and then after the show you put everything away it's like getting home and it's like yay party friday night and then it's like next day uh (laughs) you know so like you know what i mean i think like it's uh, it's just i don't know I, i don't you'd have to ask them why they always like why i get hired i i would think it is because i've been around for so long and it's just i don't know
0: it it ties in with you the, the reason that the pharmacy kept you for so long too. And you're probably very reliable, trustworthy, uh, a hard worker.
1: I would. I mean, I think I'm a hard worker. I think I'm trustworthy. I think I'm reliable. I don't know if everybody would have that same perspective of me, but that's how I feel yeah, about myself. I mean, and I'm and I'm really like I honestly like I mean now over the last few years. Merchandise isn't my only job. Everybody wants me to tour manage now and all kinds of stuff, which that's fine. I don't mind it. I just, I like doing merch because I like talking to other fans. I know that sounds like most people don't. I do. (laughs) I like being in the crowd. I like talking about the band that I'm working for, you know, like, and talking to the people asking me questions and they're like, you know, they're metalheads. I'm a metalhead. And I'm just, you know, at heart, 100,000%. And I just like, and I like watching the band every night. You know, I don't know. It's it's just, so I look at it like, I don't know, maybe because I have fun. I don't know.
0: <laughs> when you have started tour managing now, are you doing that in addition to doing merch? Or is it just that as a standalone job?
1: I'm doing both. Yeah, I'm tour managing and doing merch. And it's definitely more difficult, um, depending on the band, especially. Some Mm -hmm. bands are easy, you know. (laughs) um, But, you know, overall, it's still, when you're doing those two jobs, merchandise is pretty, I wouldn't say demanding, it's demanding of your time because you're at the merch pretty much all day setting up depending on your product line. But you're at the merch most of the time, like 90% of the day because then doors open. And then you are you can't go run to tend to the band's needs if they need something. It's impossible. And then you're, like, on the bus an hour and a half after the band even gets off stage. You know? So it, it's a lot of... You're not really around them to take care of stuff. So, you know, I think when you're doing... Like, one of the jobs suffers more. And I want to say the taking care of the band aspect and the tour manager aspect unless the band doesn't need you for specific things during that time you know if they're self-sufficient like oh you know oh let me go get my water that i need it you know what i mean then it's not a problem but you know what i mean it's just when you're at merch merch is, is crazy you know especially if you're with a bigger band it never ends yeah especially if you're with like a larger band you have to you're selling merch. (laughs) You know
0: what I mean? So I know exactly what you mean. And I was just on a podcast or a live stream, the Alex Kendrick show, little plug there with uh, Frank Finelli, who uh, was talking about exactly that, where you you can, he's told bands like I can tour manage, I can do merch, I can do lights, but you have to understand that out of all three of these, you know, I'm not going to be able to do the best job that I would be doing. If I was just giving you one of these jobs, it's like, you can save money. I can make more money but you're going to get lesser quality in all three of these aspects, you know?
1: Exactly. There, it's just something's going to like suffer. That's why it always, it works out better when like the front of house person is tour managing and doing front of house because he's at front of house at the same time the band's on stage. Exactly. <laughs> so it's not, you know, it makes more sense. I mean, it can be done, but it, it definitely hinders, you know, something. You know, but if you have other people on the tour, like, that help you a little bit, like, you know, if you have, like, a guitar tech or a drum tech that kind of takes care of, you know, the backstage stuff so that you're not worrying about it because you're at merch, it, it goes a little bit more smooth. But, yeah, it definitely, something suffers. And, unfortunately, with for me, I'd rather, and this is going to sound shitty, I'd rather the band suffer because that the merch is where the money is and that's the only way the band really makes any money
0: absolutely you're 100 percent right yes that's the money where we're traveling t-shirt salesmen.
1: yeah i mean it's you know yeah you get paid by you know the shows and everything but if you're doing anybody like i mean i don't know if anybody does this i would think the majority of people do this when you do a tour budget you go by your show money and usually that's in the negative and your your merch is where you know it keeps the tour afloat and hopefully make some kind of profit at the end if you're lucky <laughs> so
0: that's we're living we're living the dream
1: yeah but that's what i mean it is living the dream for me like i don't mind it because I, <laughs> I like i said where can you go and watch bands that you freaking love every night and talk to people and see your friends and it's, you know, you know, you saw me. I left the show and went with you to another show for 10 minutes, you
0: know. That's right. That was fun. That was a crazy night. That was really fun. Despised Icon in one venue, Amon Amarth on the other side. It was really cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was like, and I snuck out. I snuck out for a few to run over, you know.
0: so I'd like to just name off, I know some bands that you've worked with. I know you've worked with a lot of them, but probably some of the listeners might not be aware of... Just who you've worked with, so just spew off a few bands. You're probably going to forget some, and you're not going to like that. But spew off some bands that you do work with uh, actively.
1: The ba- it's oh my god, it's always so hard to remember all of them. Honestly, I mean, I work for Exodus mostly. That's my number one, basically. I would say that I work with um, Testament. Death Angel, San Francisco Bay Area bands right there. Um, I work Overkill. I sold merch for Anthrax. I sold merch for Slayer. I sold merch for Volbeat. sold merch. Worked for uh, Death Clock. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Behemoth, Cannibal, Marduk, and Angel Corps. Uh Immolation Vader. Uh oh, King Diamond. Um At the Gates. Uh, I don't know, it's easier to maybe name a band and I could tell you yes or no. <laughs>
0: and that that is why i think you're the 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 road queen that's out there with everyone just so involved i loved it so connected with all of the the huge metal bands i love it um let's touch on the worst day that you've had on tour the
1: worst day i've had on tour
0: what's that road horror story you've done so many tours what is that horror story
1: oh I don't honestly know. I really don't honestly know. I mean, besides like finding out that people pass away and you can't do anything about it, that's probably the hardest, horrible thing that happens because you can't really do anything. You can't grieve. You still have to work. You can't get home. You know, that's that's the major downfall of this, you know.
0: Because we just live the same day over and over again. And it's, it's, it's so, it's totally weird that.
1: Yeah. It's like, you can't, you know, like if I was in Europe and somebody very close to me passed away and, you know, I can't get home. I can't do anything, you know, or like in the States, like you find out somebody passed away, obviously, like, unless it's like serious and you have to leave the tour and, you know, you work out stuff from there. But sometimes, you just don't have that opportunity because it happens so fast, and you know what I mean. That stuff like that is definitely the worst for me, like personally, like that. But I mean, as far as a daily, a daily thing on tour, that's my worst ever. Um, I messed up my rib cage and I couldn't work. Like, I mean, I worked, but I couldn't do anything. It was horrible. Um, that was a bad day. But that's, I can't think of a we're staying on tour like that's a horrible you know i'm not gonna move it. like i don't know i mean there's stuff that happens on every tour like um the first tour with angel Corps and marduk like we were trying to go to russia and russia and there was like situations with the visas and we were in poland and we were stuck in a parking lot for like two days, waiting for this embassy thing. Or so I don't even know. I can't like I really can't remember the details in my head. But I remember having to go to the bathroom, and I had to buy toilet like sheets of toilet paper with Zlati at the thing. Um, and then after that, we left and We went and parked behind Market Halla in Hamburg for like four days. Luckily, because they were nice enough to let us park there. Um but that's, that wasn't really tragic. It of up being okay. Um, getting denied at like getting the show canceled in Belarus by the military and then having to go sit at the border for two, three days and having to go to the bathroom in the woods wasn't fun, but it wasn't <laughs> tragic. <laughs> um, you know, like, <laughs> like it's just stupid stuff. Like on this, on the last tour, right as this coronavirus thing, like it was the base rights back, Testament Exodus, death angel, you know, Italy got canceled because we were in Switzerland and it was right when they closed down the Italian border and the government shut everything down. And then, but in the process of that, we were like on a ferry. Well, I don't want to say the first thing. I, I don't know if I can legally say the first thing, what happened in Sweden, but basically we got pulled off the bus, stuff happened and then blah, 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 anything, whatever and then like we took a ferry and there was a huge storm and like we were one of two ferries on the water and they shouldn't have let us go and it was like it was we were going from sweden to finland and it the waves were horrible it was really bad everybody was throwing up (laughs) i don't know i'm laughing about it but it wasn't like tragic like (laughs) i don't know (laughs) you know
0: that That uh, is, a, I, I'm adding this as another reason why you're on all these tours, because you, you have somehow remained positive <laughs> throughout many of these <laughs> things that a lot of people would have bitched and quit over.
1: <laughs> no, I just was like, okay, whatever. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I'm trying to think of like.
0: Those ferry rides are brutal though when 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 they shouldn't let you go, I've been on one of those. It's very uncomfortable and horrible.
1: I mean I love I love the ferry, but this one was I mean, I didn't mind it that much. like I mean, I do that seventy thousand tons of metal every year and I do the pre cruise for that. So I'm kind of used to like the boat rocking and you know, and I've been in storms on the cruise ship and the smaller cruise ship that was really bad to where like I got to the point after a little while that I was like, okay, make this stop unless I'm going to freak out, you know? But on the ferry, it was kind of, I mean, it was really bad for a lot. And then they, it was, it got really, really bad and people were terrified. And I was just like, okay, but you know,
0: <laughs> you're a tough cookie.
1: I just went to bed. I don't know, went to sleep. <laughs>
0: a whole bunch of hor- horrible things that happened with that last tour. His drum set got destroyed during that. Am I crazy? Am I... No. No? Some gear got wrecked? No,
1: basically what happened... You no, know, what happened was Gary wrote... Like, because we were in Finland and Testament had all their gear on a truck and he just said the truck didn't make it and all of a sudden Blabbermouth turned it into... The truck went overboard and all the gears lost. Uh. That's... But that didn't... That's what I mean. It's like so silly. It's like, no, that didn't happen. Their Their stuff didn't show up, so they used Death Angel and Exodus stuff, and the guitars, and everything, and because of that, I, in my personal opinion, and if anybody in Testament's listening, it was the best set of the tour. Because <laughs> <laughs> they play it, it was like, it was sick, like, for me, you know, because like, they went all, like, old school, and, like, it was sick. You know, because they didn't have, like, their stuff to play, or different, you know, guitar tunings, they can only do certain things.
0: It was very fresh too. Other, yeah, like right out of the comfort zone. I
1: mean, they know. I, I told them. I told them anyway. I was like, best set. <laughs> so, but
0: that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, Coming home from that tour, a bunch of the people got ill and got contracted COVID. It's impossible to keep a simple yeah. cold out of a tour bus so i can only imagine with covid i can see how fast that it would spread on a tour bus and it's crazy what happened to all of them
1: well that's that's what i keep saying to people i mean don't get me wrong because i'm sure people are going to get like upset because you see all the people online like to me everybody is so over the top scared fearful that if they walk out of their house they are going to die <laughs> like it's like i mean grant you know like you just said on a tour like like friends like there was three tour buses you figure with we had we had like like people come in come out testament had you know friends like on the tour like fly in and leave technically if you go with like the double drivers the truck drivers you know there's 50 of us total you know and like you said on a normal tour everybody gets sick it goes from one person to the next like, whatever, like bus aids you know whatever everybody gets sick you know and i think like i know like towards the end like i want to say it was really weird it was like kind of like i want to like we were in france when they closed down the louvre and they were going to they were thinking about closing down paris they started closing down the um train systems and everything like why we were there and i want to say it was around that that because that was in the middle of the tour like we did we were in spain for two days we were like i mean we hit every hot spot of this freaking thing that they said in europe was happening you know and so you know we get home i like towards the end will was really like not feeling well um that was and you know and Ted and rob from death angel were kind of sick their light guy like was like I can't smell or taste anything. It was just kinda like that thing. You know, and uh Ted's nephew Jonathan, he wasn't feeling that great. It was most like the the Death Angel bus, maybe. I don't know. Maybe it was just them. But <laughs> on on our bus it was like nobody was really not feeling like not bad really. And, you know, they canceled the German show and then we were flying out the day that like, we already had our flights for the day that supposedly the they were shutting the borders down.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So, like, we just kept the regular flights or whatever. And then we got home. And, yeah, it was, like, I want to say, like, maybe 10 people got tested. Maybe more people got tested. But some people were negative. And then, like, other people weren't allowed to get tested you know, at that time, because they didn't have enough tests. Um, But I want to say, like, I would say, I would think all of us at some point had it to some degree. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Because, like, I mean, you know, I mean, I was, like, coughing a little bit. And, like, the one guy that got tested positive, like, he was hanging out on our bus, and I'm playing Yahtzee with him and, like, touching his pen. We're sharing dice, and you know what I mean? It's, like, it's you know, you're with everybody. It's not like the cleanest environment and everything, but so yeah, everybody got, you know, tested. Some people got really sick. They were just told to like, just stay home and rest or whatever. Obviously everybody knows what happened with Will. I was really worried about that, but luckily he's fine. Um, but it was really, it was really weird to me because everybody got home. They got tested positive positive. And supposedly this is super contagious, but yet the people that live in their homes never got it. Mm. They tested negative. You know what I mean? And they're living with these people, sharing dishes and food, and they're touching things in the bathroom. And, you know, you can, you know. So, like, I kind of, you know, granted, yeah, everybody that got it said they were the sickest that they've ever been. Like, they were just, more, it was like the worst cold that they've ever had you know, just really tired and run down and just, you know, different weird, you know, just felt weird. And it lasted for two weeks, And but everybody's fine. <laughs> so, but I just really, I really find that it's, I, I don't like, in my personal opinion, I'm not a fucking doctor. Excuse my language.
0: You can say whatever the fuck you want here. Don't worry.
1: Okay. I don't know anything about what they're doing it's not like I am like, I, I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a disease specialist by any means. I'm just going by my personal thought of if it's that freaking contagious, how is nobody else? Like nobody that they live with or came in contact with within those couple of days when they got home, friends and everything, nobody got anything. I'm just like, to me, that doesn't seem like a, a deadly spreadable disease. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> like, it doesn't seem like that to me.
0: How long do you think until shows will come back?
1: I feel like I feel like I mean here in Tampa. Obviously, I, I feel like it's going to be sooner than most places because I mean they're not going to be huge shows. They're going to be local shows, and I, I it's going to be coming up soon. Nobody, you know, at certain bars. I don't know how many people will attend because, again, people are so scared to death. But, you know, somebody's going to breathe on them. But and that's the other, ugh, I don't even, I shouldn't even bring it up on because then I'm just going to be preaching. <laughs> 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 I don't know. Working in a pharmacy, like being around people that actually like, you know, that are super like back when nobody knows they like, like, you know, not say AIDS mersa like you know and i'm dealing with people like that and that that was you know that when there was no cure you know that's almost <laughs> like a little kind of scary but like i wasn't afraid to be around that and to me it's i i think maybe maybe i'm just desensitized because like being on tour i'm dealing with like people were like handing me money out of like they put it in their mouth and hand it to me so like Sixty thousand dirty people in a month. I wouldn't say they're dirty, but you know, you know what you know what I mean. Like money's dirty anyway, and I'm touching it all and touching my eyeballs, and I'm surprised. Like you know, I'm am I'm probably immune to everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. I was thinking about getting tested for the antibi- antibodies because I'm probably seriously immune to everything, and I could probably
0: <laughs> you might be the cure. So.
1: I might hold the cure for <laughs> everybody.
0: One last question. You are a professional tourer, you've been around a professional musician. What is your hangover cure?
1: Oh my god. If I had that, I'd be a millionaire. <laughs> I don't have. <laughs> um me, for me personally, Honestly, I suffer and suffer and suffer, and until like the only things that I really find that honestly work, even though I'm suff- like I've tried bananas like to get the potassium and lots of water and everything. I want to say a good Bloody Mary.
0: That's not the first time someone has said that. Yeah,
1: that really seems to neutralize everything in your body correctly. I don't know why it just really seems that way because i mean i could be hung over and hung over and hung over and hung over and i finally break down after hours of suffering and go bloody mary and then all of a sudden i feel okay but i really did like yeah i wish i if you find a real cure to get rid of a hangover in like five minutes please please share the wealth of knowledge because
0: I will then. You just gave me an idea. You just gave me an idea. Actually, I should, I should make a book one day with everyone's suggestions.
1: (laughs) Yes. Like something like that. Do a whole, just something on that because like, you know, everybody has their own take on it. Hair of the dog, blah, blah, blah. I've tried hair of the dog. It doesn't really work for me personally. You know, I've tried Gatorade. (laughs) I've tried, you know, but for some reason a bloody Mary Bang! I don't know. But it takes a while to get to that point to be able to want the Bloody Mary to make yourself drinking, (laughs) my opinion. I can't just I can't just be like, oh, I'm so hungover. Let me try and do this. I can't I can't do
0: it. Robin, thank you so much for taking some time to sit down with me, to have a chat, to share a brew. Uh, It was absolute pleasure. And I can't wait till all of this is over so that you come through Montreal or I come through and you miraculously are home. And we can hang out face to face again.
1: I know, right? That would be great. And I'm sorry if like this is really horrible. And like I said, I, I don't like talking. I always sound. I feel like I just sound stupid.
0: It is. It is absolutely perfect. So thank you so much. I raise my glass to you and cheers.
1: Cheers. I got my. I got my glass up too.
0: Perfect. Perfect.
1: Ding! Here I'm gonna cheers my phone. Tap my phone. Cheers. <laughs> there you go.
0: Hey, thank you so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. I love Robin. You should love Robin. I'm sure you've met Robin. She is, as I mentioned in the intro, the most important person on all of the tours that we've ever been to. She is what makes most shows that we've been to work and function she is crucial not only that and i didn't get to touch on it enough throughout the interview and i feel bad about that but she's also a really sick bass player in an amazing band called gruesome i wish that i got more into that and the next time i chat with her i will go deeper into that so i apologize to you robin for not digging deeper into that aspect of your life i can't wait till shows start happening again so that i can hang out with robin again face to face much love and respect for hanging out with me i i really appreciated it and it was a great chat and i hope you guys enjoyed it as well i hope you guys have a great rest of the week i have two more episodes coming at you one on wednesday and one on friday but until then remember to enjoy life metal and craft beer cheers vox and hops ever wonder what a punch from elton john feels like or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in nirvana So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11.